Hi, and welcome to today's webinar. I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan, and welcome, listeners or viewers. Today's conversation is a very simple conversation. It's about business for freedom, not business for burden, not business to keep yourself active and busy and fill your life because that's what you want to do. This is for business for freedom. And there are eight points that we want to cover off. And we have a limited time to be able to do so. So we're going to go pretty hard. And the invitation then is to listen, take notes, and revisit this webinar as a recording again and again until those points land for you. So to that end then, point number one, Perry, what is one of the most key fundamental components of being able to have a business for freedom rather than a business we need to wear as a job? Well, you really need to be redundant as from as many roles in your business as possible. So if you can, you can see that, can't you, Brendan? If you can make yourself redundant from all the roles required to make your business, you have ultimate freedom. You may decide you don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But the, 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 more, the more you reduce the roles that you are involved with in the business, the more freedom you have. Now, this is, this is a point of interest here, is delegation, not abdication. This is not the purpose of, of let's get people in here and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Mm. Is, is it's a purpose of let's get people in here to do the work that needs to be done and I'll orchestrate um, the process such that the responsibility I still wear is ultimately owned for the success of this business. I'm not delegating that out or, or abdicating that to somebody. What I am delegating are the responsibilities that suck the time away from me to work on the business to create it to be greater um, or to allow me the time and freedom to do other things that I want to take on. Fair? Yep. I like the idea of a conductor to a certain point. You know, the conductor of an orchestra is not playing the instruments, but they're sort of guiding the vision for that musical piece. So then let's start to move into point number two. Point number two being, um, as you described it here, don't build yourself into the money mechanism meaning sure and it's it's a reflection or a different perspective of the same point as before delegation as opposed to creating yourself a role tell me your thoughts around building yourself into the money making mechanisms well you know when i work with clients typically what we'll see when we first start working with them is that they've built themselves into all the money making mechanisms the business and it's important to say this happens in all sorts of businesses service businesses are uh, personality profile based businesses, uh, just product delivery businesses. And you'll go in and you'll find that that business owner is playing four or five roles within that business. They have absolutely no freedom whatsoever. And to be honest, there's an entire mindset that exists within the Western world, especially where right from day one, you're sort of brought up to think that you have to be involved with the money-making mechanism of your, of your business. So you sort of come pre-packaged to be trapped by your business and the, through the way that we're all trained to think growing up. So in businesses that I've seen and, and people I've mentored around that, particularly those who are looking to start up and get going, they are so embroiled in the creation of their product and in the, the uh, dream and vision they have for what they want to do with themselves that they actually are building in a state of a dependency. The business must evolve around me and, and my job is to deliver um, everything I can within the business to make that work um, rather than a 
methodology which says I've got an idea, let's get other people to deliver on the idea for the, the generation of money. Um, people think about the process of how do I do this better for myself to keep myself active or, or, or have a purpose or be driven uh, rather than the management of the model that has them not be in the job. Um, yeah. So, and, and, and that's, that's human nature because you're embroiled in an idea. You're embroiled in the, in the goal or the vision that you have for your own life, and which is awesome. Um, but if you don't take, uh, in the process of creating the business, if you don't take um, a certain perspective that allows you to model it such that you're not in it, model it that such that it doesn't depend on you, then guess what? It will depend on you. Uh, and continue to do so. So our encouragement is to think about business differently such that you are modeling yourself out of it rather than modeling yourself in it. I, I think a really good way of, of working with it is the juxtaposition to the normal average person that gets into business. The juxtaposition is the pure entrepreneur. I have friends that are pure entrepreneurs and I have clients that are pure entrepreneurs. And they think very differently to the person that you just described. So they think in this way, they, they think very logical. I, I have to say they're not particularly passionate. They think in these terms, I'm building a business model from day one that can run without me. That's all, that's how they think. How do I get this uh, business model to be a really good investment and a really good investment in my mind is a business model that I might only have to spend two, three, four hours a weekend or if I've got a leadership team in place, no time at all and it's bringing me lots of passive income. That's how they think from, from day one, where that person that you talked about, as you quite rightly said, they're passionate, they're probably passionate about something. And in many ways, it's an advantage, but it's a disadvantage compared to the person who just looks at it purely from a financial and a money-making perspective. And they, they may also want to serve. So I'm not saying they're devoid of good quality morals and wanting to bring something different to the marketplace. But just the way they look at it is so different to the way that most of us are brought up to think about this. And they're completely different dispositions. And the so, other, there's one, one other second with that, Brendan. You've got to remember a lot of people, you've got to have good capital. You've got to have good capital requirements typically to be able to, from day one, think like that. I'm going to set this thing up to run without my constant input or run without me altogether. You've got to have good capital requirements. Oftentimes. Well, I was going to say with an organic startup, you can't do that with an organic startup with, with little funds, then you are obligated to, to be in the business for as long as you need to, in order to generate Correct. A revenue stream. Correct. So the, the answer here is if you are starting out that way, um, your job is not to think about staying that way. Your job is to think about getting to a point where you don't need to be in there. So, so while you need to build yourself in at the outset, which is our third point, while you need to build, build yourself in at the outset to generate the model that works for you to, to bring the money in to start with, you don't take it on such that that's the forever place that you will be. You take it on such that where you are going is that you will not be in that role as soon as possible. So the business modeling is all about creating the leverage and the scalability such that you can um, take your idea, your passion, deliver it, but orchestrate the delivery of that rather than run around with your, your own legs and, and make it happen for yourself. And you also have to have that in your mindset from the start, because if you're a passionate person, so you're passionate about the thing that you're developing or giving the, the, the marketplace, and you don't have uh, 
uh, a lot of capital or you want to be careful with your capital, you, you're going to do exactly what Brendan just said. You're going to do a lot of things in your business that, you know, you may not naturally be designed for, but you're trying to save funds. But if you go into that business without having a plan to exit those roles, you will by default build it around you and you'll take a long time to get out of that role. So there's a complete different mindset knowing I'm going in to get this area of the business really working. Um, uh, once it's performing, I'm going to consolidate it, systemize it, and I'm going to back out and I'm going to train someone else to run that. When, when that's part of your clear objectives from day one, you know what you're building into and then building out of. So for those who already have businesses for where you are already stuck, where you are, where you are listening to this because you know what, you're in pain and, uh, and you're recognizing that you are already uh, the center of the world of your business and um, you are the source of dependency for all things relative to your business. If that's where you're coming from right now and realizing the burden that, that, that comes with that, then our encouragement is an invitation, in fact, is to think differently and start to take on the idea of not being that anymore. Start to take on the idea of if you have staff, part-time or full-time, whatever the case may be, whatever size you are, if you, um, or even consultancies or services that are, uh, you know, where can you delegate them cheap and overseas, as required as possible, start to explore ideas such that you save time. It is worth the investment to train others to free you up to be more productive with the business rather than not hand that over and attempt to be more busy with the business and drown and be your own bottleneck for success. Aaron, if you're feeling that, that and, and identifying with that as a possibility for yourself, then here's the invitation to think differently. Take it on as an invitation right now to change how you think about your business, your business well, and what you're looking to achieve. Yeah, when, when business owners are at that point that you're talking about, Brendan, where they are just overextended because they've got too many roles to do, um, it typically brings them to that point where they feel frustrated, depleted, um, that they can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, and that's often that moment where they start to go, well, how can I arrange things? differently how can i arrange things so uh, i don't have to do all this work and th that questioning process is an amazing questioning process because now you've got to start think about well what what can i hand over what what should i hand over and th those questions what can i hand over and what should i hand over are really important because once you start to think in that way then you are forced to work out who goes where in your business and you can't build a business that runs without your constant input without having good people in the roles within your business taking care of things so you can be away from the business and that area is still running really efficiently and well so that comes back to our fourth point which is your mindset are you programming yourself to be a resource or to control resources and our encouragement is to Back to the main thing today be a a conversation in your own mind around the controlling of resources as opposed to being the resource or the dependency yourself which then leads into our next point around the center of beliefs um, where you carry with you into this that which is unknown to you um, through your own experiences through life and and, and how you've matured um, and and the influence of your parents influence of those around you influence of your experiences to today 
um, that have you have a perspective, a perspective around delegation, a perspective around managing relationships and managing those around you. Our encouragement out of this then would be as our fourth oh, what, point, point five, uh, our encouragement out of this would then be to begin to spend the energy to skill up on delegation and staff management. Begin to spend the energy on being able to um, critically review your own performance around managing the staff. Look for areas of improvement. Look for the training and education you need for areas of improvement in this field, such that delegation becomes easier for you, rather than some, uh, rather than you attempting to, to bang your head against a brick wall, and, and and an internal conflict set up. Your beliefs are really really critical here around um, delegation and, and control. Perry, you're a, an expert in the process of um, self sabotage and belief mechanisms, and and you're, you've seen time and time again um, the, the the consequences of not having recognised a belief, coming up against that belief, creating the internal conflict, and then ultimately sabotaging your business you don't even know you're doing by an inability to delegate. I I have a thousand stories because for many years, Brendan, I worked with. Uh, uh, worldwide salon marketing. So I'm working a lot with salon owners uh, and they'd often have multi stores, two or three. Um, I worked a lot with worldwide printing um, and snap printing. And my role was to work with their top performers and help them create more stores. And it was always absolutely fascinating because you can give them all the technical things required to systemize staff up the business with the right people so that that business can run without the business owner. But nine times out of 10, you would come up with unconscious sabotages. And until those unconscious sabotages were identified and cleared, the person would sabotage it completely. In fact, I'm thinking of two people I'm working with at the moment, very smart, very intelligent, have grown their businesses to a certain point. They are now the roadblock, meaning they're working way too many hours they're earning good income from what they're doing, but they will continue to work a lot of hours and they can't go to the next level because they're now the roadblock. And this is one of the things that happens when you don't plan to make yourself redundant from positions in business so that the business can run without you. There's also the other downside. You won't reach the levels that you can when your business becomes scalable because you've got good systems in and teams in place. So, the types of belief systems that we see that people are unaware of is imagine that you grow up and you have issues and challenges with people. So you grow up and constantly your, your background is one of drama, fighting, uh, always having falling outs with people. What do you think might happen when I suggest that you've got to start to bring team on if you've had a whole history of not getting on with people? On the unconscious level, you've got, you, you've got belief systems like I can't stand people, people are drama, people just cause me crisis. Either okay. that, either that, or you walk into it with a full expectation that I am braced and ready to go. Every day is going to be a battle. <laughs> Correct. In, in in which case, um, all right, done. This is war, and therefore any personal or, or sense of growth, this is it's a me versus them thing rather than a let's collaborate and solve. In in my experience, while that belief system's unconscious, because you got to remember, a person like that has built their business with as least staff as possible because their belief systems have ensured they've built a business model that restricts who's on their team, 
numbers of people on their team and then I'm telling them you need to start growing your team and delegating, they don't get to that point. They're not going, I'm going to war. They've shaped their whole life so that there is no war anymore. Yeah, true. But, but, but then they're going, not even, they don't even know this consciously, but unconsciously they're going, oh, if I follow Perry's advice, it means I've got to go to war every day, so I won't. So they'll start sabotaging the delegation process. Right. Uh, some other things that I've seen, I mean, this stuff's just funny to me sometimes. Um, and not funny laughing at people, but we, we are just shaped. We're so shaped with stupid, irrational belief system that's unbelievable. So I'm thinking right now of a client of mine that I worked with for many years. And this person runs a high-end salon business. And high-end salon businesses, Brendan, make lots and lots of money. Good cash flow. Um, and again, uh, when and building team, taking time away from, from her, from her business, she had belief systems like this. People won't like me if I'm not at work all the time. People will think I'm stuck up if I'm not at work all the time. People will think that I'm some wealthy snob if I'm not at work all the time. So this was the projection that went on to her team. Now in her childhood, she grew up in a very wealthy family. And here she was driving around Canberra um, and certain areas in, in uh, Sydney and in her grandfather's Rolls Royce. And she said, all I ever wanted to do was hide. All I ever wanted to do was hide because I just felt people didn't like me and they talked about me. And of course, that sets up an unconscious bias. So here she is now. She's reached a certain level of success. She could go to a higher level of success and have the most amazing lifestyle. But at an unconscious level, it's going, no. Don't build any more success because you'll get richer and less liked. Now, that's actually a prevalent belief system in Australian culture, by the way. If you come from the uh, uh, working or middle class, you're likely to have those types of belief structures in place. So I've got a whole host of them. One more, one more. <laughs> trust. Trust. So trust is a major one. So you've asked about belief systems. Yeah. So what will happen is that someone... They may not realize it, but they're just have been betrayed, have, have lots of crises on that deep unconscious level. They've got belief systems like, I can't trust people. I can't trust people to support me. Um, people will betray me. People are going to find out about me and reject me. Um, these are all the types of belief systems that can be underpinning why a person's not really moving and, and, and delegating. But until you help them see that, they won't know it. They'll rationalize why they're not doing it. Now, the solution to that, by the way, is really, really, really good recruitment systems. Really re good recruitment systems give you an accuracy of around 99% in the employment process. Yeah, but and if you're already setting up, if you're carrying those sabotage mechanisms, the amount of recruitment or the better system do nothing. You'll, you'll, you'll bag the relationship in some way or destroy the relationship some way, shape or form anyway. The real key in my mind is work on you first. If you don't work on you first and get yourself aware of you first, then, then you're setting yourself up for a fail no matter how good the, 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 the employment process might be. Yeah, well, it comes back to that basic rule, which is your belief systems, your unconscious belief systems have way more power than your technical abilities or your conscious decisions. So you're correct there. You've got to do both. Yep. So then, then the most critical point in the eight that we're discussing today is make sure you know you first and make sure yep. you know you well. So don't ever stop learning about you and don't ever stop observing about how you behave under certain circumstances. Look for those trigger points. Look for those things where you think logically 
you shouldn't be reacting that way and you are reacting that way. Well, what's the source of that? Where did that come from? Look yep. for um, the uncomfortable gut feel uh, and see if you can determine where that uncomfortable gut feel may be coming from because all of these are, are indicators and, and trigger points for something within you that you don't recognise. Um, look for the observe self and when you have a surprise reaction to something, it means something. Don't dismiss it. It means something and it, and it reflects on you um, around it how you work with you. So if you start to investigate all those things about you, as you are the source of your universe, you are the delegator and, and creator of all things in your world, um, and the your life that you live today on is completely dependent upon how you behave within that world. Um, and, and if you take that on as a responsibility to wear for yourself as a form of, I need to be better at me such that I can be better or allowing yourself then to be better at things you want to achieve, then the door opens up to a greater possibility. Don't underestimate the opportunity cost here. And, and you said something earlier, Perry, around people do this and it, and it puts a cap on how they behave um, and, and it stops them achieving the, a great life for themselves or the greatest possible outcome for themselves. Um, I, from a mathematical perspective, it comes to me as an exponential growth. The way the way growth works in business as a as a concept is you start you start small and hard and you go and you build slowly and you build credibility and you build systems and and you evolve. The nature of which you evolve determines on you or is based on you, but nothing else. Um, you make decisions that that work or don't work, and sometimes they work in your favour and you learn. Sometimes they don't work in favour, and sometimes you just don't learn. Um, but but it's exponential and if you find that you've been working hard on a system for a long time and you haven't experienced some of that exponential growth yet, then the problem's you. Make the judgment call to assess you about where you're at and what you're doing wrong. If you've been going for a while and you're starting to see growth, great. If you find that you are getting some exponential growth and it starts to plateau, the problem's you. The problem's not anything else, the problem's you. Take control of it, make a different decision, learn about you, what the block is, and allow yourself to keep going because the opportunity cost based on you and who you are is phenomenal. It is exponential, um, meaning that, that you can make a decision that has the capacity to give you a tenfold income uh, injection into the business or something that gives you a 50% um, um, decrease in, in the income of your business. And it can be a small decision that could be that. And, and the more you know about you, the better decision or the greater capacity you have for making a better decision. So to that end, study your beliefs, absolutely. And, and look for where those highlights of, of, I don't know where that came from or surprised feelings or surprised emotions or, or quandaries or conflicts that you're in and seek support with it. So um, Perry, you've got here also the idea of a time and motion study. Now I'm assuming you're talking about for all those things that you do over and over and over and over and over again, you know, the, um, the, the, the things that you don't have systems for or being able to delegate yet, but you feel obligated to do yourself. The, the, the time suckers that, that just extract energy from you and, and distract you from the bigger picture. If you do a time and motion conversation around what's happening with your business, then you're able to free yourself up. Is this the point you're looking to make? Yeah, it comes back to what I was saying before, like to, to build yourself out of the business, obviously um, uh, you've got to work out, well, 
I've got to have certain people take over certain roles that I'm doing right now. And so you've got to work out, first of all, what roles need to be delegated and what roles you should keep. And so that starts with the business owner first. So typically in a time and motion study, what I'm going to get a client to do is to, to, to fill out a 15, incre 15 minute increment form for the day. I'll do that for three or four days. We go back through and we look at each activity on that form and we'll probably end up with about 10 activities, right? Maybe 12, maybe 15, eight. But these are the activities that that business owner is doing all the time. Now, typically, first of all, that brings awareness to them. Oh, wow. Look how much time I spend doing that. Because once you've got that category of eight to 10 tasks, then what you need to do is you need to go through and qualify what are low dollar productive activities and what are high dollar productive activities, meaning um, for each hour spent doing that activity, it returns X amount of dollars or costs X amount of dollars. And so once you start to get a, a concept of the time that you spend in your low dollar productive activities, you realize that if you spent more time in your highest dollar productive activities, there's more likely to be far greater cash flow. And you now have a good, clear concept of what needs to be delegated on to others. Now, this is important. It's important because whenever you get to delegation or discussing delegation, the first line of defense for the business owner is, well, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. So it's my job to help that business owner understand how they can afford it. So that speaks to, um, well, again, the counter, the counter that is for the person who is, who is time poor, they can't afford not to. No, no correct. And, and that's what that time in motion study starts to show. Correct. So then you're in conflict. I don't have the money. I can't afford the time. What do I give up? And one of the ways, Perry, you're talking about uh, solving the problem is to think differently about creation of money and the management of money. Well, in, in some sense, what you're looking for is uh, when lower dollar productive activities are shifted, not even just from the business owner, from core team members, mm. from core team members, all of a sudden those core team members will be able to work in their highest dollar productive activities, which by default will lead to more income to pay for those that are now doing the lower dollar productive activities greater productivity greater time efficiency greater uh greater revenue per hour spent C correct beautiful all right which means then we need to do some so our, our next point psychometric profiling of the team in order for us to be able to uh determine the skills of our team and, and make their highest dollar productive hour applicable we need to understand what their highest productive productive dollar hour is and what they need to spend their time on correct you see me smiling i've actually been doing a lot of work on our um our, our profiling system at the moment so i'm all over this and excited by it so so typically what we do is we'll start with a business owner as an example if you and anyone that's watching and listening to this can go to businessdnaindicator.com and go and do a profiling test so we'll get the business owner to do it first and that report will come back and it will start to give us a clear idea about the strengths and gifts of that business owner. Now, typically like you and I right now, Brendan, um, we, both you and I, because of, and our profile will point this out, 
we enjoy what we're doing right now. We do. I agree. Yep. And then today you and I will be talking to clients and we'll enjoy that, right? We will. Yeah. And if, you, if I profiled you, that will come out in the profile. So potentially, first of all, when you do podcasts or video casts, that's highly leveraged scenarios of being able to reach lots of people. So the, the more time that you spend communicating and connecting, which is one of your core skills in educating, the more trust is built, the more leverage that you have through these types of mechanisms, the more money is likely to come in. So that falls within your gift profile and it's the very thing that makes you and your business income. Does that make sense? It does, yep. Right. So then uh, I'd also look on that profiling. I'd see that I know you're a math genius because you're actually interesting because you've got two sides. Um, but we'd also see in that profile that maybe you're not so good at this and you're not so good at that and you're not so good at this. But we've seen from your time and management study, uh, sorry, your time and motion study, that you're doing those things. Now, those things that you're not very good at, you'll be doing because you think, uh, I've got to do them because I can't afford not to do them. I can't afford to pay someone else to do them. Now, when you do things that you're not designed to do, your energy drops and you're not as good at them. So we know you're good at this stuff because it's actually even stated in your profile. Brandon is a gifted communicator and orator. Okay, He is expressive. That will come out in the profile. Um, and so that's why your energy rises when you do this. And when you do the tasks that you're not designed for, because you rationally think I need to, to save money, it lowers your energy. You're not spending time in your highest dollar productive act activities and you're not particularly good at it because you've got to force yourself to be good at it. Um, so uh, that information now starts to provide a map for the business owner because the business owner goes, well, you know what? I should really be working in my gifts. Now, if, because that's what I love and it's what, what brings in the most money. Now, obviously, you know, I'm speaking to everyone that's watching this, Brendan, his gift is what we call front-facing, meaning you can slot Brendan into the marketing aspects of a business and the more time he's communicating, connecting, creating content, typically more money's coming into the business. But what happens if your gift profile is that of, of the financial controller for your own business? And therefore, your highest dollar productive activity is actually managing money and, and, and looking after the budget. You, you would see that and you would go, okay, well, I actually have to do that. That's important to me. I love it and I enjoy it. So what on my list can I hand over to someone else so I can spend more time doing that? Now, you, you might in that process go, well, I've been doing the marketing for ages. I'm not particularly gifted at it. And that shows that in my profile. So the next person that I need to bring into my team has to have uh, uh, the ability to market well. Okay, does this make sense? So we now can start to shape who needs to be brought onto the team, what that business owner needs to let go of through, through profiling systems. I've been speaking to people recently about a, a concept around life. Um, go something like this. Good people, the good people of the world, recognize they have strengths and recognize they have weaknesses. And the good people of the world start to work on their weaknesses so they're a better all-round human being. The great people in the world don't do that. The great people in the world recognize they have strengths and work very hard on their strengths to, sell, to be able to then delegate those weaknesses to those other people who, for whom their weaknesses are those other people's strengths. And that way you get a synergistic outcome which makes one and one make three and you get a far more profitable, far more um, productive 
life as a result. So we're encouraging broadly, we're encouraging people not to be good people. We're encouraging them to be great by focusing on your strengths, being better at your strengths. If you become experts in your strengths, then you'll be sought after for what you're skilled at. And that's our encouragement here. Um, identify, and again, no self, identify what you're good at, work on what you're good at, be better at what you're good at, and delegate all those things you're not good at to people who are good at that, so that then you can create the business that you want without the burden and, and with as much joy as possible. And that would, be, that, that would be one of our core messages out of today's conversation. As part of the process then of delegating to those people who are, in fact, the weakness or, or your weaknesses, then you do need your psych psychometric profiling of the team, not just of self, but of team. So you can identify those people who love doing what you don't like doing. And that way you can create this synergistic perspective. And then you want to then, you're talking about here, high performance values in the team. Perry, yeah. what do you mean by that? Okay. so. Um, you could you could use psychometric profiling on say uh, team members, and you can see the natural gift strengths and their weaknesses, but that does not necessarily mean that their value structures are right for your business. So if you want to be able to leave your business and just go away on a vacation for four or five weeks while your business runs without you, as an example, or four or five months by intent, yeah, whatever, you you you. By default, you can only do that if you have staff members who actually share similar values to you as a business owner. And you'll get this as I say it, because this becomes a joy when you have this. Um, that they care just as much about your clients, they care just as much about delivering to a high standard as you do. Uh, I mean, that's the ultimate, and it's a dream for a business owner if you've got a team like that. Now, what we teach our clients to do is only employ people that are high performers now that's easier with smaller businesses bigger businesses you'll tend to have leadership teams of high performers you'll have a vast majority of your staff that are high performers and then you'll have what we call conformists conformists will conform to the culture that's being created so if there's enough high performers around they'll tend towards that anyway they're more easily influenced um, but this is how it works okay so I just go to my own team as an example, uh, say Georgina. Georgina, when she was a little girl and she was at school, Brendan, and the teacher asked the class a question, this is what Georgina did. She sat up real straight and she put her hand, notice me, notice me, I wanna get this answer right. I wanna get this answer right. Okay. And at that point, even as a five-year-old, Georgina worked out that if she did well and she was compliant, that she felt really good about herself for achieving and reaching those high standards and that got her validation. Okay, five years old. Makes sense, we are taught that way. Yeah, well, some people aren't. <laughs> okay, so even when she hit her teenage years, because this is often, we, we, we don't have time to go into it today, but we, we look at uh, developmental stages, baby, adolescent and adult. So a high performer, tend to move into what we call the adult spectrum so in adolescence typically that's when you'll see the wheels falling off so uh, georgina even in adolescence at 17 even though you know everyone else around is smoking pot and doing all sorts of stuff and i'm sure she smoked pot or something herself but you know she's just she's still there doing her homework she's still there 
loving the praise that she gets um, when she does well and feeling proud of herself when she does well. And th th those words are really important, feeling proud of herself when she does well. So this is right from an early age, she has high performing traits. So what that means for me, I'm going to tell you when I, where I learned this stuff because I learned the hard way. I personally didn't have to suffer it, but I'll get into it in a second. Um, so, you know, by the time she's working, that's who she is. So her value structure says, if I don't perform to my own high standards, I, I just feel terrible about myself. And if I perform to my own high standards, I feel good about myself. Now, that person has internal motivation to perform highly. Mm -hmm. I do not have to motivate them to perform highly. I don't have to discipline them. G Georgina makes mistakes and I make mistakes, but I know without a shred of any doubt that, and by the way, my, most of my team are this way, okay, that uh, if they make a mistake, it's a pure mistake because of their workload or what have you. They're not slack people. They're all high performers that want to do really, really well. So, and, and if they make a mistake, there's, they will learn themselves that it was the wrong thing to do rather than waiting for being berated in order to be retrained. Well, you, well, what the right thing to do is because they're already looking to solve problems. Well, you don't need to, right? Because you Correct. get this, what I said before, they give themselves a hard time. And harder than you could. Yeah. So what happens is you, you, you are now sharing, you're sharing a relationship with people that have, Yep. the same values as you, right? So you leave and you don't worry that they're slacking off because I saw years ago, I got asked to come in and run someone's restaurant for them. This would have been, oh, geez, I don't know. It might've been 20 years ago, but some friends of mine, they knew my background. They knew, knew what I'd done for years on it. I've told you this, uh, Brendan, but early incarnation, I spend a lot of time working with restaurant owners, setting up restaurants, setting up their teams and getting mm -hmm. them up. So, so uh, anyway, I, I come in one, one night, they're going away. They, they didn't tell their staff. I just, they just brought me in as a waiter. Um, and they didn't tell the staff anything about me. The business owners left. I kept working and I just observed everyone around me dropped to about 50% capacity, 40% <laughs> capacity. Table, uh, uh, plates left on tables, just poor customer service. And I just went, wow, this is what happens when you don't understand that the only people you should employ have similar values to you as a business owner. Mm -hmm. And, and you, can, you, can, you can get that. You can profile that out and find those people. So finally then, we go into the idea of money delegation. Tell me about what you mean by money delegation. Okay, so we sort of covered a bit of that before. Um, remember I said that as we urge the business owners to start to delegate so they can become redundant from roles, always, unless you're a very cashed up and very, very smart business person anyway, you're already sort of there and you're thinking, you'll go, well, I can't afford that. And so I said earlier that we use the time and motion studies to help that business owner identify what are the low dollar productive activities, what are the high dollar productive activities. And we have to show them that by letting go of these low dollar productive activities, that the high dollar productive activities Correct. will take care of the income to pay for the low dollar productive activities. So we've actually already covered that in the conversation as Correct. under a different heading. Great. Okay, great. So then today's conversation is really about some of the key components of your ability to be able to create the wealth you want through your business. And they are make yourself redundant. Don't build yourself into the money making mechanisms. Um, 
If you need to build yourself in at the outset, great. Don't go in with a model that doesn't get you out. You need a model that gets you out. Start with your mindset and evolve who you are in this journey and be mindful of who you are in this journey so that you can change and grow as, as the business evolves and, your, and the needs of you within that business also evolve. Um, look at what beliefs undermine you. Look at and, and undermine your delegation and your ability to manage relationships well. Look at the time and motion studies around what you do such you are into uh, the, the delegation of the, the highest dollar value um, so that you're not spending your time on the menial tasks that are not dollar productive, but those tasks that, that are. Look at the psychometric profiling of yourself, but also the psychometric profiling of your team. And in essence, follow that which you are destined to do that you're creating for yourself. But be, be mindful that if you are flattening out in this conversation around your own business, the source of the problem is you. Look at that. Take the time to investigate that. Perry, are there any last words you want to add to the concept of not uh, of creating a business that, that you're not the, 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 the central dependency of? Yeah, two things. If that's not you should see me probably saw me smiling before. Um, for a reason, because this just sort of triggered a memory for me. It's like <coughs> excuse me. I worked out that, you know, my parents were ter horrified when I became a surf bum. I gave up this corporate job and went, look, I, I just don't want to do this. I just want to surf. And of course, my parents were so concerned about that and my future. And I'm smiling to myself because it was my love of surfing that personally meant that from day one, I always had that in my mind. How do I build this so I have enough freedom yeah. to go surfing when I want? Just, just, just looking at that. So yeah. that's the why. And, and finally, just coming back to what you, you've said several times, you know, I, I view business and investing as huge personal development courses. And... <laughs> what you've got to constantly be doing is looking at your results and results from every area of your business. And if, if you keep doing that, you'll start to see where the patterns of low performance are, where the patterns of high performance are. Like you could, you could be in, have incredibly high performing administrative team, right? Um, where your marketing team might not be working as well as an example. So once you start to look at all this different feedback, you start to see patterns of weakness and strength. And then as a business owner, the moment you see the areas of weakness, it's pretty simple. Coming back to what you said before, you, you need to go, what in me doesn't know enough about this area? What in me needs to change to in, improve this area? And that is how we evolve as business owners, asking those questions about self first. Observe self. Look for, the, look for the conflicts, the points of inconsistency. Look for that which takes your path away from the objective and they'll be the trigger points that you need to start to consider and explore. Until we meet again, invest wisely. Thank you. See you, everyone.